0: Chapter 1, verse 2, verses 12 to 14, and chapter 2, 18 to 23. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities. Business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw the deeds that are done under the sun and see all as vanity and a chasing after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I had toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And seeing that, I must leave, who knows, whether they will be wise or foolish Has toiled, with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave all to be enjoyed by another who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What do mortals get from all toil and strain in which they toil under the sun? For all their days are full of pain, and their work is a vexation. Even at night mind do not rest. This also is vanished.
1: Thank you, Roger. It all began on Twitter two years or so ago as we sat in Indianapolis at General Assembly. We were voting on the official vote to make Des Moines the home of the 2019 General Assembly. And I said something on Twitter that we need a butter chalice. And so then upon returning, I said something to Sarah Pratt. You're going to make a butter chalice for General Assembly 2019. And she said, I am. And we figured it out. And there she sits, the world famous Disciples of Christ Butter Chalice, the most photographed uh, icon uh, in Des Moines a few weeks ago at General Assembly. So many selfies taken by disciples from literally around the world. Our general minister and president, Terry Hort Owens, had a selfie with the Butter Chalice. Everybody was talking about the Butter Chalice. There's now not one, not two, but three tribute Twitter accounts to the Butter Chalice. And I'll be the first to admit, well, well. Uh, by the way, Marty and I uh, removed it from the exhibit hall. It was actually the last remaining object in the exhibit hall on uh, the Wednesday after General Assembly ended. And I asked Sarah, can we keep it, please, for State Fair Sunday? And she's quietly sat in my office, uh, uh, very sealed, I couldn't smell her at all, uh, waiting for this Sunday. And I'll be the first to admit, though, it is, it is all a bit, um, I don't know, cheesy maybe. But I'm not even marginally, uh, marginally kidding here. Our disciples family from around the globe were quite impressed with the butter chalice, seeing the attention. It was really quite chilling, kind of, kind of moving, really. It was, it was utterly fun. I'm really churning out the butter puns this morning, aren't I? I, I, I admit I might be milking it a little too much, but but dairy, I go on. I know I probably should have spread them out a little more in the sermon instead of just just sticking them all right here at the beginning. And I know you're probably thinking about the puns. I can't believe it's not better. But all right, all right, no m- manure jokes. But seriously, seriously, I really did work hard sculpting this sermon this week very carefully. And seriously, it was a huge hit at General Assembly. The most frequent question asked on Twitter, on Facebook, in person, was what happens to all the butter when it's done? Marty and I shared that this chalice is made from Sarah's own personal butter stash, which is a few years old. And as Marty mentioned, that butter cow and its annual friends are made with butter that's, what, 14 years old. That's some old, stinky butter. And seriously, open The refrigerator after worship, if you want to experience Sarah's work environment, you might have seen shared on Facebook or on a recent flight, the story about the uh, from Southwest Airlines magazine about the Iowa State Fair Dairy Queen. This is my printed copy and there's some copies on the uh, table outside, but it's a great article. People all around the country are reading about Sarah Pratt and the butter cow, and it makes us kind of proud, doesn't it? It's a great article. It talks about the history of butter sculpting, about our butter cow tradition, about Sarah's own history coming uh, to this great work, and butter sculpting in general. It might actually, uh, after reading it, it's kind of appropriate to have a butter sculptor in worship today. For the first humans, according to the article, who sculpted butter were monks, now, not Christian monks, they were Tibetan Buddhist monks, but it's a religious tradition, sculpting butter. It was, they would carve sacred figures out of butter, and then later on it became a, a form of extravagance. People in their great wealth would sculpt butter or other kinds of food and have it as a sign of excess on their lavish spreads for the royalty and their aristocrats. But as the Southwest Airlines magazine writes, it was in the United States that butter sculptors became more egalitarian. No longer on the tables of the wealthy, they were democratized and brought to local festivals and fairs and to churches so that everyone could enjoy it. Now, for the industry, it's a way to showcase the product, the dairy farmers and all they're proud of. But for those who have seen that butter cow year after year after year, it's a way of connecting to your childhood, to old memories, to just pure fun or to pass on that tradition to someone else. When we told some friends of ours when we were first coming to Norwalk to interview, they were rooting for us to get the job near Des Moines so we could be close to the butter cow. And I admit... Marty and I did not know what a butter cow was.
0: <laughs>
1: the tradition didn't quite make it as far as we were south of the Mason-Dixon line, but we soon learned what it was. And our very first weekend in Iowa, a snowy February weekend, we even met Sarah Pratt herself. And now we're passing the tradition on. Last summer, some friends of ours from L.A., they knew about the butter cow, and they had to go see it. They got to go into the cooler. They were thrilled we passed on the tradition. And though we came to this a lot later than some of you, as the article says, as Sarah says in the article, there is this mystique about butter sculpting. Even though it's been around for centuries, it still draws us in. But isn't it something that we will line up for 10 days to see the cow? And then on day 11, 12, it's all taken apart, clump by a clump shoved into stinky buckets, the art that took so long to perfect those veins on the udder that have to be just perfect. This art that was viewed and photographed by people from around the world, admired and praised, videoed on the news, unceremoniously dismantled and shoved into buckets. It reminds me of the text that Roger read for us today The book of Ecclesiastes is said to be written by the Ecclesiastes, which is translated, the preacher. And this text in particular, well, it just kind of sounds like a grumpy, retired preacher, which has nothing to do with why I asked Roger Miller to read this morning. (laughs) He's not typecast into the right. I just knew Roger was a good actor. But the ancient preacher really nails it. It is an unhappy business. The preacher writes that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, he reflects, and see all is vanity and chasing after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I have toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to those who come after me. And who knows whether they will be wise or foolish. Have you ever felt like that before? Something you pour your life into that you work at that you perfect and then it's just discarded clump by clump taken apart unappreciated no one cares the time you put into it the kids are unappreciative of all you do for them it could be a volunteer project a craft or a work of art a meal an act of affection towards your spouse or someone you care about, a carefully picked out birthday gift that you worked so hard for that's thrown aside for the next unwrapped package, a sermon that no one listens to, a song that someone forgets. Maybe it's something bigger like your life's work, years of working for a company, and you get a certificate. Maybe if you're lucky, a watch when you retire and they move on like you never were there. Maybe it's the family farm, a century, over a century it's been in the family, but no one cares anymore. Destined to be rows and rows of similar looking houses or yet another shopping center. A lifelong collection sold for pennies by the children at the estate sale. A church that people work so hard to keep open, closed. We stay up at night worrying about these things, that old preacher says. Yet no one cares. It will all be forgotten. Why even try? All is vanity, temporary, worthless, meaningless vanity. Or is it? August 19th, the butter cow will disappear, be disassembled, the butter packed away into buckets, butter big bird towering for 10 days, reduced to clumps, butter Ernie and butter Bert, as worthless as Bert's bottle cap collection. What is even the point? Now I was on team Ecclesiastes and I was beginning to develop myself a case of early onset grumpy old preacher. But then, well then I considered the wisdom of the butter cow. And every year she arrives to bring us joy. And then she's gone. But even when she's in buckets in the cooler, her frame still remains each year. A new cow born from the skeleton of the old. In the article, Sarah says that we talk about ephemeral. That's the word that I've been practicing to say all week. Ephemeral. Did I say it right? Art. Ephemeral art is part of a class that Sarah teaches. She says, I think it's essential Ephemeral art. We talk about resiliency in the act of being able to let something go. It's not going to be permanent. And that's the nature of butter sculptures. We build them, and the next day we tear them down, and then we build something else. It's the nature of butter sculptures, but, well, I think Sarah summed up the nature of life. So much better than that ancient, grumpy old preacher. All is vanity, that old preacher declares, but what does the butter cow say? All may be temporary, but does that mean it's all in vain, that it has no value? The ancient preacher, I think, gets it all wrong. The things in life that really matter, these are the things that are temporary, They may outlast us, but only barely. Every old family farm eventually becomes something else. Every home is gone. Eventually, every piece of art, no matter how well it is preserved, will become ephemeral, transient, fleeting. No matter the materials it was made from, all of life, all of human existence is momentary. But that doesn't make it vanity, does it? It doesn't make it worthless. That, I believe, is what makes it so very beautiful. That someone can sculpt Big Bird out of butter? Spend so much time making Oscar the Grouch as Hannah did? That is beautiful. That is the mystique. Not that it lasts, but that it ever existed in the first place. Now, these last few days, I tell you, it's overwhelming. You hear about mass shootings, lives lost in a moment, in less than a minute, gunned down for nothing When that new story ends, there's another one that comes. Who knows what story is next of all the brokenness in our world, so much that needs to be done, so much left to do. And it's overwhelming. Sometimes it makes our small efforts seem so vain. We pour our lives into what? What are the results? Does it make a difference? The butter cow teaches us that all of life is ephemeral. And that's well, that's what makes it so very beautiful. These little things, your work, your art, your prayers, your career, your talent, your dreams, your wishes, they are not vanity. Though they may be underappreciated, temporary, and maybe probably even one day forgotten, they are beautiful and they matter. That we, everyday, ordinary people, could right now have an impact on this world, if even on just one person, that we could bring about joy, that we could correct one wrong, at least change one life, at least. That, in and of itself, is worth living. So to the old grumpy preacher, we say, get over yourself. All is not vanity, and your life matters. And to the butter cow, well, we say, thank you. Thank you for reminding us, as that old song says, says that everything is beautiful in its own way. That every day it's as if we ourselves are given a clump of old, stinky butter. What will we make of that clump today? It may feel like we're starting all over. We're building upon the bones of those who have gone before us. We're continuing in that long line of sculptures, sculptors who have made beautiful things out of nothing, beautiful things out of their lives. And like old butter spread on an armature, the possibilities of what we can create are endless. We don't always know what impact we have on this world, but we do the work anyway. We make the art because the very act of doing so is what brings about beauty and grace and love into this world. Because, well, really, the old preacher should have known this. It's not up to us anyway. And so we place these gifts into the hands of that master sculptor, the creator of all that is and all that will be, who blesses our work and through us will craft a world, this world, and all and us along with it, into the beautiful work of art that God has been creating from the very Beginning, let all God's beautiful people say amen. Amen. And I'm going to make my one song request this morning. And as we prepare to come to the communion table, let us sing 13. First verse, great is thy faithfulness.